All right. Good morning. Real life. How are we doing? Holy cow, there's a lot of you here today. I don't know if you guys know this, but we have two other services on Sunday morning that you are free to attend. They, uh, this, we're going to start charging a mission for this one. Glad you're here. Uh, we are welcoming in Pullman this morning, so let's give a shout out to our Pullman peeps. Glad to have them here. And I have a special announcement for you guys. So you guys know that if you've been to our 101 class, you know that we are an elder-run church. And we have some elders. Since day one, we had a management team. And then about a year and a half in, we, we had some elders that stepped in for that. And um, we have had elders that have been running hard for about seven, seven or eight years. And, and so we started a new elder training process. The elders that we currently have are Scott Berry, who's from this campus. And then we have um, Tom Mays, Roger Miller, and Steve Mater, who are from the Pullman campus. And so they had a couple of criteria for us in our elder selection process. One was they wanted them to be godly men, which I was like, good, that's, that's important. Uh, one was that we have more Moscow campus representation, and so that was something else that we, that we looked for. The other thing was uh, they wanted them to be more my age. Uh, I don't know what that means, but apparently godly men my age are hard to find. So uh, we discovered. So I got these guys, you know, after we went through all the good ones, we found these guys, and uh, they, that was a joke. That was a joke. That was a joke. We um, went into elder training process. It's been almost a year that these guys have been in elder training. And so uh, they've been going through this process of what does it mean to be an elder? What do they do? What do they not do? Where do they have input? Where do they have control? Those kinds of things. Kind of where do we stand doctrinally? And uh, went through the book Real Life Discipleship with them because for you guys that have been here for a while, you know that our church is about making disciples relationally. That's who we are. That's why we do small groups. And so at the end of that, these guys have been here. Now, here's what I know. Uh, it is really easy to get a bad leader in, and it's really hard to get a bad leader out of anything, any kind of an organization. And so what I do with this elder training time is I try to take time to, to get to know these guys and their families and what are they like with their kids, how do they treat their wives, um, all of those kind of things. And so that's something that's really important to me because I'm going to ask you to submit to their spiritual authority. Uh, and, and here's what I'll say. For some of you, you're like, I'm not going to submit to their spiritual authority. You know, I ain't submitting to no church, right? Let me be clear about that up front. That is not the church's problem. That's a rebellion issue in your heart that you need to work out. The Bible calls us to submit to spiritual authority. That being said, I've tried really hard to vet these guys and make sure that they are people that you could feel confident submitting to. It is possible that I missed something. These are guys that have been in the community for a long time. For those of you that don't know, this is Russ Qualls. Uh, this is uh, Dr. John Visker who is a surgeon, so he knows many of you to your guts. And this is John Salisbury. And John was born and raised in this community. So uh, these are guys that have been in our community a long time. Uh, you guys have a lot of history with them at varying degrees and all that. So maybe you know something that I don't know. I think I'm aware of everything, but I'm, I, there are surprises. There are sometimes. And so in the back of your uh, chair in front of you is a, those connection cards. If you have a concern... If you're like, whoa, 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 that guy, no, because of this. Maybe I don't know about it. Write it down, 
sign your name on it. Because if you don't sign your name on it, I'm just going to throw it away. Here's why. Because the kingdom of God doesn't get moved by cowards. We're not going to bend because you're scared. Right? That being said, sign your name on it. We'll do one of two things. Either we'll get restoration done. Or if it's something where you're like, this really isn't, this, there's no restoration here and this is an issue. Then, then that will remove them from candidacy as elders. I don't believe that there will be that thing, but I, there could be. There could be. And so we want you to have the opportunity to speak to that. Uh, if, well, I'm going to give you two weeks. I'm going to give you two weeks to work on that. This goes for Pullman as well. If we're going to give you two weeks. Uh, if nothing shows up, then at the end of those two weeks, we will have the uh, other elders come in, put hands on these guys, and set them aside as new elders as well. And then they get the dubious task of making decisions for this, this outfit. Anyway, so be praying. I want to pray for you guys for wisdom. Be praying for these guys and for their families. Here's what you can count on any time that you take a step up in spiritual leadership. The spiritual battle also goes up. And so you need to pray for them. Pray for their families. Pray for their kids. Pray for protection for them. And so uh, I want to pray, and then um, we'll get moving on the rest of the service. Uh, Lord, this morning, I just want to say thank you for these guys that are willing to step out and lead. Thank you for the call that you've placed on their life. Thank you for the kind of men that they are. Pray that you protect their families. Lord, give us wisdom as we discern uh, how we can best serve our church and serve your kingdom. Uh, more importantly, Lord, we do everything that we do to make your name great. And so we ask that you would give us wisdom in that as well. Your, your word says that when we ask, you give it. And so we ask for it, God, in, in your name. Amen. All right, thanks, guys. All right. So I want to say this real quickly about Night to Shine. What a cool thing. Maybe one of the coolest things we've ever done. And we've done some cool things. We, we talk about through this series about how we do really bad at the money talk. We are really bad at the money talk. Let me tell you what we're really good at. We're really good at big events. We are awesome at them. We do big events really well. And that one was no exception. You guys rocked it. You rocked it. And, I, and I'll say this. Um, I was proud to call real life my church Friday. I'm watching those participants walk down the red carpet. People cheering on both sides. You know, they had like 30 or 40 people cheering for them. Just, and, and they were, I mean... This it was this was their moment, and they shined. It was many of them that said this is the best night of my life. And what, I heard one gal said, uh, "I spent all my life with other people being the princesses. Princesses, tonight's my night to be the queen." <laughs> it was awesome. It was so awesome. And I, uh, I just heard actually just while you guys were were worshiping, I just heard this is the we were the only church in the state of Idaho to do it. So it's pretty awesome. Good, good on you, real life. That is good. You made God look great. Uh, I do want to say this. Um, if, you're, if you're interested, Emmy Salisbury, stand up. This was her brainchild. Uh, she's the one that did that. Um, Coming in on the home stretch, uh, Kathy McEldry and Sarah Bressman did a ton. Of, like their world stopped and their families didn't have mamas for a week or so because um, they were doing so many details. I'm not going to make them stand up because they're probably too sore to stand up or sleeping. 
Um, so make sure you give them a hug as well. It was a cool, cool thing. It was a cool thing. So good job, real life. Uh, the other thing that I want to do is I want to invite you to the Awaken Conference, and then we'll get started. Um, let's be honest. The church, as an entity, does not deal with the topic of abuse well. We don't. And it's time, like, we've got we've to do better. We've got to do better. And I don't have all the answers, but I know that somebody's got to start the conversation. And so we're starting the conversation. Not... Not, I mean, yes, we want, we want healing and freedom for the abuser. We do. We believe in redemption and restoration in that. But what I'm really passionate about is giving back voices to people who've had theirs taken. And the church doesn't do good at that. And so we're committed to helping abuse survivors, because we don't have victims. We have abuse survivors, uh, to become, to tell a good story with their life. So want to invite you guys to that conference. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. All right. You guys ready to go to work? Here we go. We're on the C's of ABCs. We talked about attitude, the A. Then we talked about bondage, which is debt, the B. And today we are talking about choice. And I want to be real clear about this. This is a reality of life. Your life is the sum total of choices that you made. Now, it doesn't only, like you're not defined by that. The great thing is if you don't like where your life is at, guess what you can do? Make choices about it. You have choices. What was that? Balloon? Night to shine still having an effect here? Uh, your life is, is about choices. And, and what I want to be clear about is as we come into this, I hear excuse after excuse after excuse from people about why they can't be financially free, why they can't do what God asked them to do with their money. And, and I want to be clear that this is not about excuses, it's choices. I'll give you a simple example. Uh, I was in Israel a few years ago, and I went with a guy named Ray Vanderlyn, and, and he walks like... 62-year-old man, and he walks, and they, we hiked all over. We hiked all over, hiked, and hiked like this, like goat trails, and, and we get off the bus the first day, and he, he, this is how he does it, because he does a rabbinic-style tour, which is similar to the one that we're going to do. What he does is he says, come, let's go, and then he gets off the bus, and he just starts walking, and you got to, oh, you got to catch up. So I'm right up front on the first stop. I'm right up front and he, and I know it's coming. I know what's happening. So I got my backpack on, my hat on, and my, my shoes are all laced up. And I'm like, I am going to keep up with this man. <laughs> he gets off the bus. I'm off the bus and we are going. We are walking, walking, walking. About 100 yards in, he looks back at me like this and smiles and just walks away from me. And there is zero I could do about it. I got walked under the ground by a 62-year-old man, right? So I was like, that is impressive. I mean, that is impressive. And so I come back, and I'm telling a friend of mine about it, and he looks at me, and he goes, well, just be that guy. I was like, me, 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 me. Yeah. Which is what we do when somebody gives us the truth of our decisions, right? I don't like that. that like, can I be that guy? Can I be in that kind of physical shape? Yep. Guess whose choice it is to get there? Mine. That's not about being a professional athlete. That's being in good physical condition. Could I do that? Yep. 
what it gets what I choose to do. TV, TV is really important, right? Like, and this is the way our life is. Your life is, you have choice. You have choices. You have choices. Nobody controls your calendar but you. You choose what makes it on based on your priorities. Based on your priorities. And for example, if you're like, I don't have time to do this. I don't have time to do this. I don't have time to do this. I don't have time to do whatever. People tell me this all the time. I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. Okay, well, let's say that all of a sudden your child becomes really ill and goes to the hospital. You have time for that? Yeah, you do. You know why? Priorities. Because your priorities influence your choices. But be clear about this. It's your choices that make the difference in your life, not all the other things that happen to you along the way. It's your choices. So when we start talking about financial freedom, it's not about, well, the boss won't pay me more. No, it's about the choices you make with what you have. It's about choice. The good news is that is 100% within your power. You can't control what happens to you. You can control how you choose to deal with it. Right? Okay, let's read Proverbs chapter 3. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. This is a popular verse in the Bible. A lot of people will know this one. In all your ways, acknowledge him. How many of your ways? Mm, Maybe that's important. And he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. You you should probably uh, underline that. Be not wise in your own eyes. You should probably, because what happens is the longer that we walk through life, the more that we have a tendency to trust in our own experience, in history, and not in the presence of the Lord moment by moment. And that's dangerous. That's a dangerous trap for us. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Circle that. Like, you can even make the sound. The milk frothing sound. Circle it. And with the first fruits of all your produce, then when? After you honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits, circle that, of all your produce, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with new wine. After you honor the Lord. Now, before you go, but I, I can't. But I, you don't understand. I don't have the money. No, you do have the money. You do. Because he's only asking for 10%. You're like, but I have, but I have to pay bills. Well, let's, let's put those bills out on the table. What we're really complaining about is we're choosing a lifestyle over faithfulness. It's our choice. And we must be clear about that. 
This is a direct command of God. We're choosing to, and, and, and I hear this. I, you, do you really think in my financial position, do you really believe that God would ask me to tithe? Yep. Yep, I do. I do. And it's so, like, people legitimately want to make excuses in their mind about, like, well, but, like, my financial position is the one that God didn't think about. Like, God didn't consider my scenario. Really. I don't know if you know God. He knows, like, everything. If you're like, but what about, you'd be like, yeah, yeah, I already knew that. Like, before you were born, I knew um, you never want to play Jeopardy with God. Like, you lose every time. Wouldn't God want me to be happy? L- let me tell you the gospel according to Aaron Couch. I don't think God gives two hoots about your happiness. I know that doesn't make some of you very happy. Here's what God cares about. God cares a great deal about your holiness and your faithfulness because that leads to peace, which brings joy, which is way more valuable than happiness, which is 100% responsible. You're you're 100% responsible for how you choose whether or not to be happy. That's the truth, but I don't like that. I don't care. It's the word of God, and I'm not trying to be mean about that. I'm just saying, at some point, we gotta be straight up about what the Bible actually says, because we will, like if, if you come to Christ, you're like, don't murder, that's a, and if you murder, listen, tithing is as much a command of God as murdering or lying or anything else. It is a direct command of God. When we don't follow the commands of God, we are in sin. Now, I love for people that are like, you don't talk about sin enough in your church. If you don't tithe, you're sinning. It's rebellion. I guess we could sum this up. And here's the thing. Here's what I want to be clear about. Next, next slide. The assumption that if I just have more money, I'd be set and then I would give, it's not true. It's not true. More money is not the answer to your generosity. If you'll be faithful with a little, then you'll be given more. That's what Jesus says. More money is not the answer, and I'll prove it. National Endowment of, for Financial Education says this. About 70% of people who win a lottery or get a big windfall actually end up broke in a few years. Was it the more money that they needed? Nope. They needed a plan. Guess what? God gives us a plan. It's kind of cool. You just got to actually have to do it. The issue with financial freedom isn't the amount. It's choice. And the good news is, it's your choice. You are 100% in control of your choices. Now, I want to talk to you about what is the tithe, and then I want to give you uh, eight principles about tithing. So we're going to move through this as quickly as we can. Number one, the tithe comes from everything that we take in. 
This is, uh, in the ancient world, it was, they bartered um, goods, not cash, goods and services. And so uh, this is where they tithed from, right? So they had tithed of grain, they tithed of whatever they made, whatever. Um, they, so if I make a wool something out of the sheep, so I shear all my sheep, I'm a shepherd, I shear all my sheep, a tenth of that wool goes to the to the tabernacle or the temple. And then I make some stuff and I exchange that for grain. That grain, tenth of that, goes to the, te- like, the, it's, this is how they exchange. In our world, it's cash. That's how we do it. It's, it's money, which is not real money because we don't, I don't know if you know this, but dollars aren't real money. They're not. Uh, if you can look right on it, it's a promissory note. It means someday you'll pay it. <laughs> it's kind of like debt. Um, which is weird considering where our country's at. But that's another conversation. It's not real money. It's fiat currency. It's ascribed to value based on whatever arbitrary value is placed on it. Right? But the, the tithe comes from everything that we take in. In our world, that's cash. Look at Leviticus 27. It says this. Every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of, of the land or of the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. Do you understand that your tithe... It's holy. That, t- that first 10% of your income, it's sacred. Like, how crazy is it that we would take any part of that and use it for our own world? That's, that's blasphemy. To take sacred things and build our own lives with them? That's... That's nuts. Next, next verse, Deuteronomy. You shall tithe all the yield of your seed that comes from the field year by year. Anything that comes in, a tenth goes there. Now, let me be clear about why we say a tenth. Because the word tithe means tenth. It's what it means. It's what the word means. Guess what percentage that is? 10, it's 10%. That's what the word means. So you can give 5%, like that's great that you would do that, but you're not tithing. So for those of you that are like, well, I'm giving 5% so I feel good about myself. No, you're in sin too because you're not tithing. You're taking sacred things and building your own life with it. If you don't believe me, read the book of Haggai. That's the problem that God has with the people in Haggai. It's that they took God's things and built their own houses with it. Uh, number two, the tithe goes to the Levites, which is the priests, to support the work that they do. Uh, look at Numbers 18. To the Levites, I've given every tithe in Israel for an inheritance. So all the tithes come to the Levites. Now, the Levites are the priests. That's, that's the tribe that they come from. All the priests come from the tribe of Levi. In return for their service that they do, their service in the tent of meeting, which is the tabernacle, which becomes the temple, which becomes the church. Okay? So, all the tithes, and what's interesting to me, especially in, in my job, is that from the beginning, God has made it so that the people who serve in the work of the temple or the church are completely dependent upon the generosity of God's people. Like, it's always been that way. It's always been that way. So this is how it goes. The tithe 
is brought in in return in exchange for the services that the Levites are doing in the tabernacle. Okay? Number three. The tithes should be the first tenth of everything. And I want to be clear about this because a lot of people are giving 10% and they're not experiencing the blessings of God because it's not the first tenth. If you look at the scripture at what God does and what he asks of his people, it is consistently the first tenth, the first and the best, all the way back to Cain and Abel. The problem with Cain's sacrifice wasn't that it wasn't sheep, it's that it wasn't the first and the best. Abel brought the, the fat portions of the best part of his flock. It's very clear in there. And in the course of time, Cain brought some stuff. Now, is it bad that he brought some stuff? No, but it's not. It, it shows you how valuable, like children of Israel come into the, uh, into the promised land. First city that they conquer is Jericho. What does God say? It's mine. Burn it. Burn it all. It's mine. This city is dedicated to me. Why? Because it's the first. Your firstborn son is dedicated to the Lord. He's the Behor. He has a special role. All the way through all parts of our life, the first fruits of everything belong to God. It's his. Why? Because it reminds us about who he is. And for many of us, we forget that it was the Lord our God who brought us out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And for some of us, maybe it's time for us to go back into slavery to be reminded about what it means to be free. Look at Deuteronomy 26. When you come into the land that the Lord your God has given you for an inheritance, taking possession of it, you shall take some of the first, sit with that for a minute, a first of all the fruit of the ground which you harvest from your land that the Lord your God is giving you. Who gave you the land? But I earned it. I Look at how hard I worked. No. The Lord gave you the land. The Lord gave you the energy. The Lord gave you the breath you just took. It's his. Give him what he asks for. And you shall put it in a basket and you shall go to the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name dwell there. And you shall go to the priest who is in the office at the time and say to him, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our fathers to give us. Then the priest shall take the basket from your hand and set it down before the altar of the Lord your God. The reason why we do this is because it's a reminder to us that it is God who blesses us. So I want to give you this morning eight principles of tithing. But we're going to begin... In Malachi chapter three, this is kind of our root text for today that we'll build out of. And it says this, will a man rob God? The answer is, I'll be careful. If you've been in this series, you'll know that the follow-up question is, does your giving show it? Is stealing a sin? As much as anything else, Lying, murder, coveting, like all, these adult, like all this stuff, it's a sin. What the scriptures teach us is that when we are not giving as God has asked, we are stealing from him. That you're robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? Underline this line. I'll tell you how you've robbed me. You're not giving your 10%. 
in your tithes and your contributions. You're stealing. You are cursed with a curse for you're robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. It's the only place in scripture that God says to test him. It's the only place that God says to test him. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Listen to me. God's invitation to you from the get-go is to take him at his word. I mean, if you want to think about this. Ah, we'll get there. No, principle number one. The tithe belongs to the Lord, not to us. That's just a truth of tithing. Malachi 3.10, if you remember this, bring the full tithe, circle that word, full, into the storehouse. How much of the tithe? All of it. All of it. Drives me bonkers. Listen to people go, well, I give 3% over here, 2% over there, because I get to decide where the tithe goes. No. That is not what the scriptures teach. And you're robbing yourself of the blessing of God when you take God's things and don't do God's stuff God's way with it. That there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down you a, uh, for you a blessing until there is no more need. This is what God says. The whole tithe is his. If you remember Joshua 7, when we talked about Achan a couple of weeks ago and he took some stuff from Jericho where God said, burn it all, it's all mine. He took some of the Lord's stuff and kept it for himself. Now the question is, who paid the price for that? Achan was killed but so was his wife, and so were his children, and so was his extended family. Like his children paid the price for his keeping God's things. And I would submit that you guys need to consider the possibility that if you're not tithing, you're hurting your children. That's how important God sees this stuff. If we, we looked at, like in our culture, we value education because we got to have good education to get a good job and make a lot of money, right? So we can keep it to ourselves. If you had a family that you knew wasn't educating their children, you would call CPS because they're neglecting their children. I would suggest that maybe we need to consider that this is equally egregious. That's a good word. <laughs> this is something that we, like, we don't take this seriously. Ah, I know God says, blah, blah, blah. no, it's a direct command of God. Well, you know, okay, okay, you're in sin, and your family pays the price. Like, it pays the price in all kinds of weird ways. Maybe it's, you can't get along with your wife or your kids, or you're, you've got these obstacles you can't overcome. Why? Because those are God's direct intervention in your life, and you're keeping it from happening because you're not being faithful with his things. Wake up. This is Haggai. He says, consider your ways and see how your life is. This is what he says in Haggai. When are you going to have enough of trying to do your stuff with God's things? It doesn't work. Number two, we bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. What's the storehouse? 
It's the tabernacle in the Old Testament, then it becomes the temple, and in the New Testament, it's the church. There's no debate about that. There's really no debate about that, and the burden of proof is on anyone who would say anything different. And you can't use the passage, well, they took up a special offering for uh, the, the church in Jerusalem. The, the churches in Macedonia took up a special church. Yeah, yeah, they did. They did do that, and we would do that too. But the tithe belongs in the storehouse. Bring it to the church. That's where it belongs. That's where it belongs. And the truth is, if the church would just do that, all the other things that you support would be taken care of anyway. Check this out, Mark 12. This is the story of the widow's might. Jesus is at the te- on the Temple Mount, and it says he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box, and many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put into two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing in the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. And if there was any moment where you want God to give permission for somebody not to tithe, this would be it. She gave everything. She has nothing. Like she's gonna, like the part of the story that we don't see is she's gotta go home and eat. Where's that gonna come from? And she's gotta go home and go function in the world. Like where's that money gonna come? Where, what, We want Jesus so bad to come up to her and put his arm around her and go, oh, honey. And then do some big thing where he walks over to the treasury and grabs a big hand of gold and goes, boom. Look at you, blessed child of God. This is what we want to see. You know what Jesus says to her? Nothing. You know what he says about her? Good job. Did you see what she did? That is trusting the Lord. Jesus commends her for it. He doesn't bail her out. He commends her for it. This is something that we should voluntarily be doing. Like, the collection of this money isn't the responsibility of somebody else. Like, we're not gonna come knocking on your door. This isn't something that we have to come and We shouldn't be having this conversation every year. We shouldn't have to do that. This should be something that we give. It should be, we have to bring it ourselves. It's not the responsibility of somebody else to take your money. It's your responsibility to give it because that's what the Lord would want you to do. And I, okay, next. We're to bring the whole tithe. Uh, go back to Malachi 3.10. Here's what I want to say. Get some bullet points out of this and let me stab you. Number one bullet point. God doesn't say to work your way up. He does not. You don't work your way up to 10%. That's where we begin. That's when you say yes to Jesus. That's the starting point of generosity. It's not, well, I'm in five or seven minutes. I have a little plan. Nope, nope. That's man's wisdom. That's man's wisdom. God says tithe. Like it's not a negotiable number. Number two, God doesn't say work on it. He doesn't say, hey, you know, put in a plan. No, he says do it. Uh, Number three, God doesn't say pray about it. You don't have to pray about it. Well, I'm going to have to go home and pray about whether or not we're going to tithe. Nope, don't have to pray about it. The Bible says do it. 
there's no, there's no need to pray after that. Like, don't murder. Oh, I got to pray about that. <laughs> right? Don't lie. Mm, I'm going to have to take that one to the Lord. Prayer and meditation. Nope. No, no need to pray about it. It's a direct command of God. Do it. Either, either do it or don't. But understand this. It's a direct command of God. What God says is, bring it. He doesn't say work on it. He doesn't say have a plan for it. He doesn't say pray about it. He says bring it. That's what God says. Okay, next. We bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. The storehouse is without a doubt the temple in the Old Testament and it becomes the church in the New Testament. That's just absolutely key. Number five. We should bring the whole tithe into the storehouse on the first day of the week. Uh, this is 1 Corinthians 16, 2. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper. You can underline that, as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. This is the idea, is that as God gives you increase, you take the first tenth of that and give it back to him. That's the principle of the tithe. It's super simple, super simple. And you're like, but I don't make a lot. That's good. You don't have to give a lot. Like 10% is 10%. 10% of a dime is the same as 10% of a dollar. 10% is 10%. It doesn't matter the number, the amount. What matters is that we're faithful to what God asks us to do. Well, what, what difference does my tithe make? Who cares? Be faithful. All these, these excuses, like, stop it. You watch God multiply your little bit into something beautiful. Because that's what God does with our faithfulness. Number six, the tithe belongs to God. We are not free to designate it, divide it, or direct it. You remember in the first week we talked about David's attitude out of 1 Chronicles 29. And I want to go back and revisit this. It says, but who am I and what is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly? For all things come from you and of your own have we given you. What David says is he understands like, who are we to give this back to? Everything we have, you gave us already. Who, what am, what am I to do that? Number seven. In the Old Testament, priests administered the tithes and offerings. Today, church leaders have that responsibility. And, and here's the deal. I, it's always so fascinating to me that people come to our church and they're like, I don't like those church leaders. I don't like Aaron. Go to a different church. Like, please, because I don't like you, you know, staring through my soul through the whole sermon. They're like, I like it when Marty preaches. I like it when Paul preaches, but that Aaron, I hate him. I hate him. You are free to go to a different church. Please. And people do this for years, not just in our church. They do it in, like they just hang around for years. They won't fight for the relationship, which is absolutely spiritually dysfunctional, but they, act, they also won't be faithful. And what they use as an excuse is, well, I don't like the church leadership. Let me help you understand something clearly. First of all, if you don't like me, I'm sorry. I'm a pretty awesome guy. You, you, you just benefit from knowing me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, it took me a lot of years to be able to say that. I can almost say it without laughing now, but like, I, I let, please, let's word, like the Bible says, and as much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So if you're offended at me and you're not working it out, you're in sin. 
Um, we're talking a lot about sin today. <laughs> but, but because the whole community depends on it. If you can't work it out with me, if you're like, no, I don't really care. I'm not going to work it out with you. Okay, God bless you. As you find a different place to go to church, you don't have to come here. There's lots of great churches in our community for you to choose from, but don't stay here and be in sin. And you certainly can't stay here and, not, and let that affect how faithful you are with God's things. You can't do it. You can't do it. That's just wrong on every level. Look at 1 Timothy 5. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. Like this is sacred responsibility, and I get it. I understand that those of us who are uh, laboring in the preaching and teaching for our church, we will stand before God accountable for how we administer God's things. We will. I get it. I am with you. But we're not, and this is going to sound harsher than it means, but we're not, I'm not accountable to you. I'm accountable to the Lord. Be clear about that. Which, by the way, you would rather have that anyway, no matter how much you dislike me. You would rather have me accountable to God because he walks softly and carries a big stick, right? Like, that's way better for you. Number eight, uh, it's biblical for leaders to set aside a sum of money from the tithes and offerings of God's people for mission work. It's biblical for us to do those things, and we, and we do. Like, the generosity of our people, in part, helped us pull off the Night to Shine event. Where I mean, we watched a whole lot of people who feel like they don't matter in the world matter. And they felt important, and it was cool. Um, we did that in part because of the generosity of our people. Some of the stuff that we've done in the past, like, um, I know, I have that effect on people. Uh, uh, the school supplies that we do, um, uh, that we've done in the past, the different uh, community events, that's all dependent, 100% dependent on the generosity of our people. Um, the church, we've, we have helped plant to date 17 churches. You guys know that um, last summer we helped plant a church in Houston, Texas. And uh, what I can tell you is now we are in the process of beginning to, in the beginning stages of planting a church in Missoula, Montana. Like, this is going to be awesome. If there was ever a place to go step into the mouth of the lion, like, Missoula's the place. So maybe some of you guys are like, you know what, I need to be a part of that plant team. In all seriousness. But it's your generosity that allows us to be able to be a part of doing those things. And we change the kingdom. And there's going to be people, there's going to be people who aren't born yet, whose eternity gets changed because of your faithfulness in helping us get a church off the ground in Missoula, Montana. That's your legacy. When you are faithful with God's things. So now what we're going to do now is we're going to move towards the Lord's table. And, and the Lord's, the communion time for us each week is an opportunity for me to wrestle with, okay, so I've heard challenging possibilities with which to wrestle. Communion is me saying to everyone in this room that as I take communion with you, I've heard what he has to say and I'm in. That ought to weigh on you as we consider communion. Now, that being said, if you're new with us, we have an open table. And what that means is, if you're willing to celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus with us, to join us in this journey that we're on, we would invite you to partake in communion. But we want you to hold the elements till the end, and we'll take them all together. While they're passing that out, We're going to work through some implications. 
Number one, it is a command of God to tithe. Pure and simple. You can't escape it. It's a command of God. Now, if you're like, I didn't know, or I was, I didn't, I'm, I forget. like, I, I'm not saying beat yourself up over what you haven't done in the past. What I'm saying is that from today forward, from today forward, you have to understand the Bible teaches that it's a command for us to tithe. Next implication. The tithe is not a destination for believers. It's the starting point. The tithe is not a place where we hope to arrive, arrive someday. The tithe is, I say yes to Jesus. I'm acknowledging that everything that I have is his. And so I'm gonna do with it what he says. It's the starting point of faith, not the ending point. Number three. The tithe belongs to the Lord through the church and goes into the Lord's work. We don't get to negotiate that. We don't get to divide it. We don't get to deliberate. We don't get to be dissatisfied with how it's being used. I mean, I got to tell you, if you go back to the widow's might, that widow is giving her money to a temple system that is absolutely morally bankrupt. Like they are... Those high priests are starving their own family members in order to get more and more and more money for themselves, not giving it to the poor. They're not doing anything that they're supposed to be doing with it. And Jesus commends her for giving to that system. It is not yours to critique the system upon which the money is being dispersed. It is the Lord's to deal with that. Your job is to be faithful with God's things, God's way. And I know as, as Americans, we don't like that. I'm just telling you, that's what God says. Do you trust him to work it out? This is a faith statement about who we believe our God is. How long does David run from Saul? Having opportunities to kill him and say, nope, it's not mine to do. This is the Lord's to work out morally bankrupt leader of God's people. Multiple opportunities to kill him and David says no because it's not my call. It's the same with our giving. We don't get to assess. We don't get to critique. We get to be faithful. We get to be faithful. Last implication. The choice to tithe is not about how much money we have or don't have. It's a choice of obedience. Nothing more and nothing less. And yet the good thing about that is the choice is 100% in your control. It's 100% in your control. You have the choice to walk out of here committed to be faithful with God's things right now. Right now. You can do that. What I'm going to tell you is you will have to choose between being faithful to the Lord and being faithful to the lifestyle that you want to have. Now, maybe the Lord is going to offer you both. Maybe he will. But when we have to make that choice between lifestyle and God, too many times we choose our lifestyle over the Lord. And what I would say is the biblical invitation is consider your ways and see how that goes for you. 
This reminds us of what it looks like for us to live faithful to the Lord, a laying of our lives down, not a picking it up and pushing our rights. It reminds us that Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body which is given for you. So whenever you eat this bread, do it in remembrance of me. And then he took a cup and he said, this cup is a new covenant out in, in my blood which is shed for you. So whenever you drink this cup, do it in remembrance of me. Lord, give us the courage and the faith to take you at your word. Lord, give us the, the freedom from the world's trappings to be able to stand in the truth of what you say and to celebrate the blessings that you offer because of that. In your name, amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Real Life. If you'd like more information on who we are, what's happening in our church, and how you can get involved, connect with us on Facebook and Twitter and visit our website, liferotp.com.